The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Wait, are we really recording? It's already recording. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, whether or not we say anything worth keeping, that's different. But I have a quote for you all. This is from Sandy Chaclair's Yes, I directed the room. Shooting tasteful love scenes for feature films is very difficult. Pornography is easy. Aesthetically pleasing PG or R-rated love scenes are neither easy nor simple. Love scenes are not the voyeuristic thrill newbies. Hey, I'm back. Oh, hi, Niall. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Robert. <laughs> love scenes are not the voyeuristic thrill newbies and civilians think they are. You shoot them on a closed set. Only those crew members who are absolutely necessary to the shooting process are there. This still adds up to at least six or seven people. Hardly an intimate setting. Everybody is uncomfortable to some degree. Add in multiple takes and multiple camera angles and it's positively eerie. Caress her left breast upstage from the camera, please. Seriously, regardless of the project, every crew member on set for Love Scene is somewhat ill at ease and doing their best not to show any overt discomfort. At least that's how the prevailing wind blows on a normal set. The room was not a normal set, and nothing I did was ever going to make it a normal set. Niall, in case you missed it, <laughs> uh, that was from Sandy Chaclair's book, Yes, I Directed the Room, when he's talking about quitting on the last day of production. So, we didn't really talk about well, okay, we're talking about minute eight now. Uh-huh. Which oh my I, gosh, I, so I didn't realize we were actually recording here as well. <laughs> yeah. Started recording when you left. <laughs> oh, well, well. Because that's funny. Hey. Uh, hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, everybody. I labeled this minute as, and then finally the sex, yeah. in quotes. And finally the sex. Yeah. I mean, I can't, like, speak for every woman, but what a bummer to, like, get your boobies out for such a lame movie. you know what i mean i watched this youtube show called best of the worst it's where i hear of a lot of weird obscure bad movies and there's this one i forget what movie they're watching it's called like the the box or the something it's really low budget crap and this Mm -hmm. there's this room i think that's what that's called isn't it it's not the room (laughs) there's a sex scene and one of the guys just goes oh no not for this movie (laughs) (laughs) She just like feels so bad for the actress that she that she did that. I do know like Julia Daniels seems okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know some like people who are working actresses, and yeah, they do have a real like. Uh, I've seen them like posting Facebook updates and stuff about like having to weigh up whether to you know uh, to, to, to sh- you know to show their breasts on camera and stuff. Apparently, it's the thing yeah. that's uh, it is very much like. Actresses apparently can't approach it with a lot of trepidation. They're like, "Well, no, no, no. This is apparently it's still a big commitment to do and stuff." One of them I know though was just like literally doing it to play a corpse. So <laughs> it was kind of like, I guess it's necessary because I'm on the gurney and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So apparently yeah. it's going to be. It's not an erotic scene, so I guess it's okay and stuff. It was sort of weighed up and down all over the place. <laughs> but then forever now that. 
scene of you if you become famous, that scene's going to stay there yeah. on the internet forever. Oh, yeah. And oh, then like, uh, you'll be... You'll be a corpse. I, I was going to say, um, and then you'll be in Seth MacFarlane's Oscar song. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but when he was at the Academy Awards and he did the song, we saw your boobs. Yeah. We oh, saw yeah, yeah. your boobs. In the movie that we saw, we saw your boobs. <laughs> we saw your boobs. We saw your boobs. In the movie that we saw, we saw your boobs. Yeah, I do know, uh, again, cause I, you know, I know a, a, a few people who, who did this, and like, I remember one of them was saying as well that like she had to do uh, a, a scene in like a shower and stuff, and it was just a full frontal thing. And she's like, oh yeah, people try to be uh, encouraging on set and stuff, but like you'll get like loads of guys will take off their tops as well and be like, oh yeah, this is yeah, everyone, it's all it's all the same and stuff. It's like, oh, we're totally fine. But then <laughs> it probably just makes it weirder. Yeah, she's just saying it's not the same. Like it's really, she's just like you're standing <laughs> the there just kind of with your shirt off, and then I'm standing pouring, dripping wet in a completely naked in a shower while you're pointing a camera at me. It's not the same at all. <laughs> or in this case, pointing two cameras at me. <laughs> To be fair, though, to Juliet, maybe, like, I know she was obviously, you know, found this whole thing a bit weird, but at least Tommy is sort of, he's showing his goods as well, I guess, on set. Again, maybe that probably made it worse for her, really, but uh, yeah. it's not as if he's exploiting, oh, no, you show your best, and then I'm hidden. It's like, no, no, everything. Uh, I'm not shy either. And so. I don't know how much she had seen of the full script, because, like, supposedly most of them hadn't seen the whole script of certain scenes. But she asked for this part. She was originally cast as Michelle. Mm. And then Tommy, like, basically fired the actress who was playing Michelle because they had some problems over money and other issues. And then Juliet came in and said, I want to audition for Lisa. So she went for this part. Yeah. Maybe she was just going for the lead because she knew it was the lead. I don't know. Well, she, she's one of the ones as well that I think, like... I feel bad for her because, like, I don't think she's that bad an actress in it. Like, she's like, yeah, she's, you know, it's, 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 it kind of comes down to, like, with better direction. Yeah. She could have been a proper, like, not a Hollywood star or anything, but she could have been, like, a proper actress. But you look at her INDB, unless she's doing loads of theater work that we're just not seeing. <laughs> right. Uh, it seems like, nah, this, the career is just not going to, it's not going to take off <laughs> at this point. But I do feel kind of bad for her. Like, yeah, she hitched her, her wagon to this particular star and you know maybe didn't have the foresight i guess also because she wasn't as intimate with tommy as greg is where he can be like i can write a friggin' book about all all the stuff that happened with this guy she she can't capitalize on it in the the same regard that he did yeah at this point it wouldn't matter because what's she gonna add that we haven't heard yeah yeah that's (laughs) true yeah it seems like none of their careers really took off no <laughs> the only one who i think really has regular work is like robin paris who was already an actress when she did this part like she plays michelle she still does stuff and now she produces like the room actors where are they now and so she's still capitalizing on this but she's done other things hmm. a lot of them just kind of went away i mean greg had been in a couple movies before this he was the lead in uh um it was a Puppet Master nine or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was the fifth or sixth one, but yeah, <laughs> Retro Puppet Master, and he was the lead in that. <laughs> but it's a little movie that hardly anyone's going to see. So, that weird thing with uh, with Denny as well, where he disappeared for a while and then he came back, and he seems to have aged about forty years out of mm-hmm. nowhere. Where it's like, holy crap! And now he's a podcaster. You know, he's got a local news podcast in uh, somewhere in Arizona. Yeah. 
So, well, I, I, they figured out how to do things with their lives. I have to add on top of the, the, the questions about whether you guys had any form of, uh, netting on your, uh, <laughs> bed. Like this. No. This water feature thing. This is also a thing I, I, I've only ever seen in films. I don't know anyone who would bother to buy or maintain <laughs> one of these trickling down water feature things. I've actually been to someone's house where they had one in a living room. Oh. I, I don't know anyone who has something like that in a bedroom. Because it is a cool decoration, you know, the water and you, it, it has its own lighting mm. that we see at the end of the scene. I mean. Next minute. To me now, though, it just it it I instantly think of Friends because it has the like was Joey moves out, he gets his <laughs> own place, and then he gets one of these yeah. things. And there's a whole joke where everyone's looking at or Chandler's looking forlornly at the window at the rain, and it comes to Joey, and you think he's looking at the rain, but he's actually looking at the water feature and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? I don't know. Yeah. It's a rain thing. It's uh, most of the things for sale on the internet call them fountains. Oh, okay. But it's basically a pane of glass where water is pumped up the side of it and dropped down it, like between two panes of glass. Yeah. So you can understand, because it's a big thing now on the internet to have rain sounds, like this website's where right. it is, just, it's just the sound of rain. I can understand that as a thing, but just the visual, maybe there are people who just like the visual of a thing that looks like rain beating against and pouring down a window, but... I don't know. It just, it's never appealed to me as a thing. I think if I put that in, because again, you'd have to, you'd have to maintain it. Like you'd have to clean it and you'd have to do all the stuff. Like, you know, you get yourself a fas- a fancy, like fish tank. No one tells you how much friggin' work it actually is to keep that thing spick and yeah. span. So I can imagine these things would probably turn out to be a pain in the ass as well. If you're lucky, this is sealed so you don't have to clean it a lot, but then at some point it's just useless. Yeah. Yeah. So give me a lava lamp any day. <laughs> Did you used to have a lava lamp? No, but I always wanted one. Used to. <laughs> and oh, really? Around to get one. It was just one of those things that, like, oh, I really always really want one of those. But whenever I've been decorating a place, I've never thought at the time, like, oh, I should go get a lava lamp. So maybe that's what I should be doing. Like, I should be like after this, a bit of eBay <laughs> lava lamp and see what it. You need a lava lamp. You need a rain feature. What else? You need. Netting to hang around your, around your bed. You need a beanbag chair. Yeah. Oh, no, I wouldn't say no to a beanbag chair. <laughs> those are nice. Yeah. I think I'd have to buy. I used to have one of those. Like the four posts to co- put around the bed in addition to the netting. Yeah, well. you might need a whole new bed. Have yeah. you guys ever seen that thing where, like, in the door entryway, there will be like dangly, haney things as part of the decoration? The beads? Yeah. Oh. I've known people yeah. who had that. I know. Uh, That's even worse. Yeah. Than nutty thing. I've never understood that either. That always makes me think of um, Leon, or I think it's called like, the, the professional, professional in America. But yeah, there's a bit where like Gary Oldman breaks into, you know, spoilers for the for Leon breaks into Natalie Portman's apartment and like kills her whole family. <laughs> spoilers for five minutes in. He comes to confront someone and he does a very like a real elaborate flourish. Through one of those beaded curtain things. And that's now instantly where my mind goes. It's like, oh yeah, if I had one, I'd just be doing that Gary Oldman entrance the whole time. One of my sisters had those at some point when I was a kid, but I don't remember what, who, which one. Too many sisters. Mostly I just think of that as, yeah, coming from movies. Like, drug dealers or weird hippies will have a room that's behind those beads. It's like, they're too good for a door. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. It's like, why not just have a door? Like, you've got a doorway. Just put a door in. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> in the new Hellboy movie, there's an entire, like, not, it's not even a doorway. It's an entire, like, wall area cutting off a kitchen that has beads hanging down. Like, that's just oh, excessive. That's you think. It's like, this is after the opening day. You've already been out to the apparently disastrous Yes, Hellboy. we're recording only one day after us. I saw it yesterday oh, morning. Yeah, well, is it as bad as people are saying? Or No. It's way too long, and it's definitely different. If you if you know Hellboy from the previous two movies, not from the comics, you won't yeah. like it because it's got a different tone to it. But it's also very adult. Like they took advantage of having an R rating and have a lot of gore and a lot of mm. violence. Well, I think that was because I'm a bit of a gore hound. Like I have a kind of like a weird, morbid fascination with gore in movies. So I'll watch absolute dreck. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, there's a good kill in it yeah. though. So when I was reading all these terrible reviews, the only good things people were consistently saying is like some of these demon attacks at, at the end are very, very intense and they're very creatively gory. Oh, yeah, the visuals so are So I'm like, great. oh, well, I'd watch it just for that. But I don't know if I'll pay to see it. I might wait until it's like a Netflix <laughs> release or something, but I'll get around to it eventually, though. Yeah. I'm sorry if anyone can hear the ice cream truck in the background. Was that an ice cream? <laughs> I was wondering what that was. <laughs> I thought you just turned on some music because we were talking about movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is how a show goes with Niall. A lot of tangents. <laughs> but yeah, so you guys were saying, like, were saying you wanted to talk about other sex scenes in in movies. Yes. I have categories oh. for mine. Came prepared. <laughs> well, I've been preparing my whole life. Well, not for talking about sex scenes, but like, you, need, you need me to list something from movies. I'm like, well, here's ten movies where that happened. Uh, and then it, once I type the list, then I'm starting to add others. Then I'm double-checking some. One of mine, I was sure... I'll just tell you. Okay, my first category is sex scenes where I learned about sex. Huh. Like, because my parents, there was never, like, the talk, you know, and all that cliche thing from TV or movies or whatever. And we, I grew up going to a private school owned by a church, so they weren't teaching us about sex. But I saw a lot of movies. One of them that I put on my list is uh, Where the Boys Are, which I think is 83, 84, which I was sure until a couple days ago is where I learned you could have sex standing up. <laughs> it's not that movie. I have no idea what movie that scene was now. <laughs> For years, I just thought it was that one that we saw at a drive-in. Um, I did learn you could have sex from behind from the movie Scream for Help. <laughs> um are those I two learned. things correlated, like that title and the fact that someone has sex from behind? <laughs> no, actually, no. Um, I learned that sex isn't always good for uh, the female involved from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm. I learned that sex can be very agile and acrobatic from the tall guy. Mischief and risky business are on my list, but I don't remember exactly what I would learn from that mischief. I know I specifically tried to copy one of those scenes in a book I was writing because it's like... <laughs> The guy really wants to have sex, but the girl doesn't, and it gets kind of awkward and weird. Uh, and so I put in, I had a post-it that said, like, add the mischief scene. I remember that post-it was, on my desk. I was really hoping you were going to be like, I tried to, to copy one of the moves in my own sex. In real life. <laughs> and that's how I got this scar. <laughs> and then I have Halloween on this list as well, because that's just one I've been seeing since I was, like, five. And so even though that sex scene is deliberately unrealistic mm. because their first take was too realistic <laughs> i was thinking that the weird correlation of that sex scene in halloween or mostly just the reveal of the breasts in that because i remember then like you see everything that's all uncut and whatnot in the actual 
you know, the, the, the 78 movie. Yeah. And then in Scream, they have the bit where Sydney and Billy are having sex for the first time. And it, it, it keeps cutting back and forth between that scene in Halloween and the scene in Scream. And then you'd see breasts in neither of them. Like, they just cut away altogether. <laughs> I just thought it was very strange. Like, oh, 20 years later, in the 90s, people were much more prudish about this, apparently. Well, you didn't need it. And so if that's going to be the thing that gets you the R rating, you don't do it. Because now yeah. people can find nude scenes on cable in the 90s and in the 2000s on the Internet. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to add the sex to get that certain audience in like you would in the 80s or the well, 70s. Well, I mean, that's a, a, another thing as well with um American rating systems where, yeah. like, Scream is violent as all hell. Like, there's, you know, friggin' Rose McGowan getting crushed in a friggin', you know, a, a garage door. There's friggin' mm-hmm. a guy getting gutted, like, disemboweled at the start. There's, like, friggin' full on just knife in chest penetration that you see on camera and stuff. Oh, there, no problem. Buckets of blood in that movie. But it's like, oh, don't be showing any breasts, though. No. Like, that's, that's too far. <laughs> like, you can't be, <laughs> you show people getting their friggin' throat slit. That's fine, but we see one nipple that's not on a guy. I tell you, you were, we were gonna have to help pay hell for that. That's that's a very good description of our rating system. Yes, <laughs> love how you said garage. In a garage, In a garage by the motorway. I love Elton John. Sorry, I just clinged on to that. <laughs> I studied the rating system in film class, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. I've heard America's kind of more uptight about that sort of thing yep. than they are in Europe. Oh, yeah. Over here, everything's just like, like 9 p.m. is all that's that's your rating. Like after that, you can put on anything on British TV. They're just like, yep, fine. Just whatever. So you'll get full blown sex scenes just on like terrestrial television when I was a kid. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it's, it's after 9 p.m. That's all you needed. Uh, and yeah, just, yeah oh, of course, and you know, you were talking off mic <laughs> about the blue is the warmest color. Yeah. Allison. Yeah. And this is like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the French for you. Like, that's movie, big awards contender, and it's almost three hours of solid sex. Like, that's mostly what the movie is. <laughs> there are other scenes. There are other scenes, but, like, they're not many. <laughs> like, it's most, it's mostly that. But plus, too, that it's like a three-hour movie. It's like, you could have cut down some of these, you know? The one sex scene in that movie took supposedly ten days to film. So, yeah, it's definitely a good part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think the United States has something similar to what you were referring to called Safe Harbor Hours, um, which is from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., but I don't know if they allow, like, they, I don't think they allow nudity unless it's, like, a network that you, like, paid for. I don't watch enough TV. <laughs> yep. They do now on, like, cable channels, uh, they will allow worse language, like, more profanity. But they still don't have, uh, like, explicit sex unless it's a network like HBO where you paid specifically for that. Yeah. Yeah. And the basic idea for people who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows, is that the kids are asleep. So you can put... All the fun stuff on TV for mommy and daddy. <laughs> That's where you get like Skinamax and whatever back in the 90s. Yeah. I was trying to think of like notable sex scenes and ones that are always curious to me. Well, I mean, like, again, not, not in movies, but, um, I don't know if either of you guys were into the, the Hannibal TV show. Yes. And like there's, there's at least two really, really weird sex scenes in that show where because the whole thing is like every shot of Hannibal is essentially like it could be a painting like it's an amazingly produced show visually just stunning and like yeah there's a scene where um I think it's a season two where like it's 
Caroline, you'd know Robert actually. Is it De Havernas yeah. or De Havernas? Davernas. Davernas, okay. Because uh, I've only ever seen her written. Um, but the, she's, uh, yeah, her and Hannibal are going out and then they start imagining Will Graham's in the scene and it turns out there's all this black inky stuff going on and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then in season three, there's like another sex scene with, <laughs> with Caroline as well where it's just like, it's going into like kaleidoscope things where it's like, faces are literally meshing together and it just goes in this whole warped, very artistically beautiful, crazy sequence for like three minutes in the center of an episode and it's one of those things you're watching it's like oh it's of course the show is going to be cancelled because it's it's almost too good for tv (laughs) like it's just so this thing is so fantastically beautifully done as real work of art i can't imagine it lasting too long on like public television i'm surprised it lasted as long as it did yeah yeah still stunned that they actually got the, the kind of finish it in a way but uh, even though they're still banging on about a season four, but whatever. The only other sex scene I can really think of um, recently was because uh, I found that like amazing, a thing that really blew my mind was because uh, I was watching uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance recently with my dad, and you know, even though I'm like in my 30s now, there's still a very big discomfort when you're watching something with a dad, <laughs> and then like a sex scene happens. <laughs> it's just a bit like ooh. Uh, this is, <laughs> what, what? But we're watching that. And I forgot at the end, there's a scene between Jeremy Irons and his, uh, his mute henchwoman. And like, yeah, they, he takes her in the back and is like really violently rips open her shirt and stuff. And at the point then. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. She starts, uh, they start kind of huh. going at it. And then John McClane shows up in this helicopter and she grabs a gun and starts shooting out the window at him and stuff. But, uh, the, the thing that I found out recently that was amazing to me was that, like, that mute henchwoman is played by a woman called Sam Phillips. Uh, and people who know, like, that movie, like, yeah, Simon's henchwoman is, like, one of the three main villains in it. And yeah. she, like, very viciously kills people <laughs> and stuff. There's a bit, she has, like, a hooked knife that she uses to, like, really slice into people and stuff. And so I always just knew her, like, oh yeah, the, the, you know, she's quite an intimidating presence and stuff. Uh, and I randomly found out that she's also a musician, and one of the things she's most known for is uh, in the Gilmore Girls. Oh, hell like, yeah. Like, you know, throughout an episode, you'll hear, like, strumming up a guitar, and, like, like a woman going, like, all that stuff. That's her. That's that same woman. <laughs> and I, when I found that out, my head was just like, what? That's That's crazy. <laughs> But uh, so now I just like that's my new icebreaker for every <laughs> like social interaction with new people. I'm like, are you you've seen the movie Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? And you've seen the Gilmore Girls. Well, let me tell you something about that. That's funny. Yeah, you're speaking my language with the Gilmore Girls. And she's apparently a Christian singer as well. So that's the thing. One of my favorite sex scenes though would be. Uh, in True Romance, because mm. of the, uh, the big bopper scene where Christian Slater phones up Michael Rappaport, <laughs> and then in the middle of it, he just starts having sex in the phone booth with Patricia Arquette on top of everything else while the song's still playing, and Michael Rappaport's on the toilet, and there's a whole, everything's just kind of all over the place with it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember too distinctly, because I used to have the, the screenplay that that film just lying about the house. And I, I always remember reading that script, and there's the, the original Tarantino script. There's no sex in it. Huh. I always thought that was kind of curious, like because Quentin Tarantino that was one of the first scripts he wrote. I guess he was put in like really early twenties. Yeah. And in his vision of a true romance, it's like a thing. It's a very chaste romance. There's no, there's no sex in it. And I guess Tony Scott came in and was just like, 
you know, these two got to like we got to you know bump <laughs> ugly at least at least once in the film, right? <laughs> <laughs> there aren't a lot of recent ones because they said movies don't necessarily do that anymore unless the movie is about it. Mm. You can get ones with like there'll be the setup. You'll get like under the skin. Where it's all very yeah. erotic, and you've or, been led down the primrose path of thinking you're going to get a sex scene, yeah. and then no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to get something very, very different. I mean, like Blue is the Warmest Color that we were already talking about, or Secretary, mm. where like that's the movie is about that sexual relationship. Yeah. It's also uh, Crank Two has <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very memorable sex scene on a is it a horse? Is a horse race? It's a horse track. track yeah, yeah, yeah I believe it's a horse track. Yeah, and then just the two of them, uh, just going at various positions on the track, just for like a good five minutes or so. Well, he has to keep his heart rate up, so. Yeah. That's a movie that really deserves minute by minute treatment. Not even the first <laughs> crack movie, like, the first crack movie is great. the second one. But it's the second one, because the second one is just like. It's crazy. That's yeah. just everything, but more. <laughs> it's like, how, you know, you think of how else could this get crazier, this film? It's like, oh no, they did it. It's in there. <laughs> So anyone out there inspired to make a movies by a minute, do crank two and then make sure you get me on it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> now, Allison, you haven't seen as many movies, but do you have any? Do I have any? Yeah. Okay, so I did a countdown of the or watched a countdown of the weirdest sex scenes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I mean the weirdest one for me was the bronze where they're doing like full on gymnastic moves during sex i've always been really curious because some people do get into like very very kinky stuff when they'll get into like levels of gymnastic sex like i do i know people who are very open about their sex <laughs> and stuff and they'll happily t- talk tell you about like what they've been up to and things like that and like yeah they're very like you wonder at one point like they just kind of get to a point of just like i'm just bored so yeah we're just trying everything now i'm just doing whatever so i'll do gymnastic sex I'll do whatever the dirtiest thing you can think of is just to keep this, keep the, uh, you know, the, keep things going. One of the trailers that was on yesterday at the theater was for an upcoming movie called Good Boys, which is about these three little boys and I don't even remember the plot exactly, but they are looking around their parents' closet and find what is a sex swing, like the thing you hook up in the, in the bedroom and it's got like the little harnesses for the legs and everything. They start playing on it and are swinging around having a good time. A little girl walks in and just says, you know, that's for sex, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what? (laughs) And she just walks away. (laughs) It's like just so bizarre. A scene. It's all little kids discovering. I do remember reading, what what did you call the actual book? It was a high concept, the book was called. It was the the Don Simpson uh, biography and uh, famed Infamous uh, movie producer Don Simpson, and he was a guy who was like, the thing is, the book's weird because it's a real book of two halves where it's like, there's a lot of talk about the minutia of movie producing and a lot of money talk, like real crunching numbers and stuff. And then all the other stuff is like how the, the, the hedonistic and just, in, you know, crazy a lifestyle that Don Simpson actually had where he was just you know he was everything you assume about like a big hollywood producer this guy was stacks of money everywhere and just doing drugs left right and center and injecting things here there and everywhere and stuff i do remember one point like like almost kind of like that bit in 
Scarface when he's just got the, the platter of cocaine in front of him and he's just, you know, just looks like he's bored with it all already. Like Don Simpson's talking about like, I'm, yeah, I'm bored with sex. Go out, like sending one of like a secretary out to go like, go out and find me just the dirtiest prostitute you can find. Just literally someone who will do just things I've never even thought of to do. <laughs> so, but just imagine having having that job where you, your task was like your boss is telling you to go, go out and find me the sleaziest, dirtiest, most deplorable prostitute that you could find who will do things to me that like – and you're already convinced your boss has already done everything anyway. So it's like, oh, Christ, I'm really going to have to get into the dirt to find, to find this person. Yeah, shout out to Mae West, who was kind of like the OG to getting us to the point where we could have sex scenes in movies. <laughs> she didn't even do that. She just had to say, like, this really sleazy stuff. But, yeah. I'm waiting to hear what she said. But <laughs> I'm just trying to look here to see if there's anything yeah. uh, within the minute uh, we need to talk about. Um no. There are rose petals. You do get the awkward Tommy kind of at a slightly weird angle on top of Juliet Daniels where it uh, it doesn't look like he's would be inserting things where things are supposed to be inserted, but uh, I guess it's whatever it took to get them through the, the scene. That's what he's into. Um, that brings me to notes from a midnight screening. I only have a couple. The notes from a midnight screening is... When people scream water when we see that water fountain at the beginning of the minute. They scream water and fire when we see the candles and the water thing together in a shot in second 17. So that's like the shot of the film. And then they uh, chant, fuck that navel, over and over. (laughs) And then it goes on so long, the chant dies. (laughs) And it just gets quiet. I just feel bad for her that like... I mean, I don't know her. Maybe she doesn't regret it at all, but, like, that she had to get her tits out for, like, such a not great movie. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's one of those things, like, you, despite the reputation of um, of the film, there's probably definitely people out there who have used this for uh, stimulation when they're <laughs> by, the, by themselves. So, yeah, suppose she has to live with that in her head of, like, yeah, that's a... Uh, that's an unfortunate thing I've put out into the world. <laughs> Speaking of unfortunate things put out into the world, Niall, where can people hear more of you? Oh, <laughs> uh, you can hear more of me on uh, that minute. Uh, it's a podcast I do uh, with my um, co-host, <laughs> John Parker. Uh, and we go through the Batman movies uh, from 89 up to and including 1997, uh, one minute at a time. We're not doing the Dark Knight movies because someone else is already doing them. Uh, so we're, we're, we're 90s kids. So that's where we're sticking. And yeah, you can find us on any, any podcatcher of, of your choice. And I believe also on Spotify, which I found out recently. So you can just shout at your Alexa, Alexa, put on Batman and we'll come out. So, uh, yeah, just go do that if that's a thing that you should want to do. But he's not wrong when people make it fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live.
Leave us! 